All right, college baseball fans, welcome to the Weekend 13 recap of the 11.7 podcast. We got a lot of great college baseball storylines to talk about. And uh, we got Dimitri here over from Italy. Stayed up all night, watched some college baseball, and kept up with everything and did the mid-major polls and our new top 25. We got a big week ahead of us, Dimitri. We're going to talk about it maybe later in the episode, but we're going to narrow down the mid-major player of the year finalists and the volunteer assistant coach of the year finalist on Wednesday or Thursday of this coming uh, coming up. So big week ahead of us for today. We also got the top 10 coming or bottom 10. I'm sorry. Bottom 10 teams coming out uh, probably sometime this week. I would come out today, later today. Later today. Let's go. But dude, I want to start the show on probably the biggest storyline that nobody is talking about. And I just want to make all the listeners and college baseball fans aware. Cal State Fullerton. The Titans, the Omaha dream team of the 90s, 2000s, 80s, all that. They've been a Division One program in baseball for 46 years. And in the 2021 season, they have their first losing season ever. First losing season ever. And just want to take a moment of silence because that streak, I don't know, will ever be broken. Like 46 consecutive winning years. That's incredible. Dude, like I, I, I already said this before, but do you know what was going on in the year 1975? I, I would be lying to you if I did. The first Microsoft PC, which stands for personal computer. For I know someone out there listening could probably be like, holy shit, I can't believe I didn't realize PC meant personal computer. Yeah, we probably have some young listeners Night, out Microsoft there. Microsoft first PC was built in 1975. And that's incredible. It just shows like how far that program has how come. Long ago. Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> Insane. Oh my gosh. Uh I said it's crazy how long ago. No, I know. And and like obviously every streak's gonna come to an end. Like they couldn't keep that on forever. Uh, I guess there's kind of like a little asterisk there. Like they could say, you know, maybe scheduling uh, and COVID-19 protocols and not being able to play, you know, a ton of midweek games and early season, um, you know, maybe easy wins weren't all in the schedule. But yeah, I just wanted to make all the listeners aware that like that streak is over. It snapped 46 straight winning seasons and it they, they've never had a losing season before in Division One. So tip our caps to them. The Titans have had a hell of a run. Um, I saw one of our Twitter accounts, one of our favorite Twitter accounts that follows us. And one of the originals, Cal State Omaha, they tweeted at me and they said, well, I guess this year is Cal State Nomaha. They just put an N in front of Omaha. Cal State Nomaha. But um, they'll be back. I mean, that's a program that's going to it's going to rebuild. They'll be back. It's a baseball school through and through. But dude, 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 it's, it's like. It's like, okay, yeah, our 45-year streak is over. Like, what a run. But at the same time, a losing season should never happen, no matter how many years it's been. You know what I'm saying? No. What do you mean by that? Like, I, I don't give a shit if it's 100 years. Cal State Fullerton should never have a losing season. I mean, like, I mean, why not? I mean, every team is going to go through some downfalls. 46 years, dude. I know, I know, but like, 
I just, I mean, I can understand it if you're like, I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I can just, see, like, I can see what you're saying as far as like the conference they play in, and um, you know, they don't play in the the Pac-12 or Big 12, SEC. Like they they play in the Big West, but the Big West, yeah, you but fifty percent of your games every year. I, I I mean I disagree. I think I mean college baseball has just become so competitive. Um, like COVID restriction, California, you couldn't do much in the off season, if anything, and like scheduling was a big conflict. Like they couldn't travel and play these you know crappy teams all the time. So I, I don't will- know. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on it just because I think it's like, I don't know, just something I wanted to touch on, but I mean, there's a lot of other bigger story or not bigger storylines, but other big storylines that happen, obviously this weekend, we're going to talk about Tennessee, Arkansas. That series was phenomenal. Uh, loved everything a bit about it. Uh, watched almost every pitch of every game. So, uh, was really locked in there. Number one versus number four. And in my opinion, I think like there might not be two better teams than those right now. Like the way Vanderbilt's playing, um, I don't know. I, I just think those two teams are going to end up in Omaha together, and it's going to be something really cool to see in the future. Uh, we'll talk about other things out of the SEC, like Louisville gets swept and like may not make the tournament, which is incredible. And uh, we'll talk about TCU losing a series that they should have swept, like to Louisiana Monroe. Uh, Nebraska Northwestern canceled their final game because Northwestern was out of pitching. Like, let's talk about that first quick second, Dimitri, because you were a big advocate on Twitter about this. Like it's division one baseball, man. Like, I don't care if you're out of pitching, like we're playing this game. Nebraska needs this win. What the heck? That, yeah. Ridiculous. Nebraska is playing for a big 10 championship. They need a win. They need to play the game. And you're, are you shitting me, Northwestern? I mean, I, I don't care. Get your freshman position player. Freaking go, send them out there for two innings. Send the next guy. You, you can get five pitchers in two, maybe two or less innings to work. Get their ass out there and play the freaking game. I mean, schedule like a seven-inning game. I'm sure Nebraska would have been fine. Like, yeah, throw a position player for seven innings. Like, we just need to get this win. And, like, the worst part is I don't even think if it – I don't even think it counted as a forfeit. Like, it should have been a straight-up forfeit. No, they use they use health and risk hazard or whatever as the uh, as the cop out. Which because if you use that, you can't you can't count it the forfeit because they are by rule. It was a health hazard. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. It's not a health hazard. It's a it's a pride hazard. Northwestern's packing the season up, and that I mean that just sucks for Nebraska, who's you know already got gypped out of not being in that twenty regional hosting picture which i thought they deserved to be in and now they're getting games canceled because the other team's out of pitching do you know how many like tournaments are going around the year like travel ball tournaments ages like eight to or i guess eight doesn't isn't kid pitch well let's just say like 10 to you know 18 where guys are pitching who have never pitched before because they're in the third double elimination game of the day and like i mean out of pitching like is not an excuse it, it should never ever be an excuse hey ben do you know what that kind of shit does it builds character, and Northwestern, they they had some room to some extra character to build. They had a dude. Hey, you know what, man? We you, you always talk about wanting to pitch. Here's your chance. Go get him, boy. And he goes out here, shut. And you're like, wow. You're, you're I think a- Northwestern would have had fun with it, dude. Like, if you would have told the kids, like, if I was the head coach of Northwestern, I would have said, guys, we have no pitching left. Who wants the ball? 
Like one guy would have stepped up and the team would have been pumped for him. They would have been surrounding his bullpen sesh before the game, like rooting him on. Like it's one of those things where like the kids from Northwestern have nothing else to play for this year. They might as well like root for, you know, a guy to step up in a big role and at least see what he has. And if he doesn't have it, like, okay, I get it. Like call the game in the fifth inning. Say, you know, we're out of pitching. You guys get the win. Don't pull this whole health and safety hazards. Like get out of here. You know, yeah, I agree. Show everybody at least you give a damn. At least you give it an effort to play the game because we just went 10 months. Half of these guys got baseball ripped away from them last year. And now you're just going to say health and hazard because we don't have enough pitching. I'm sure you got five guys who would love and kill their left arm just to throw with their right arm for two innings. And it, it, Northwestern, they might make an appearance in the bottom be. 10. They might make an appearance in the bottom 10 just because of like they're dead to me. Northwestern baseball is dead to me. I don't care. They're dead to me too. Moving on. Moving on. Um, LaSalle baseball, another big storyline that a lot of people are talking about. Such a shame, Dimitri, because it, for all the listeners that aren't aware, like LaSalle University, the Explorers, uh, I believe they're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh, somewhere, Philadelphia. I think they're in Philadelphia. Their, their baseball program got cut before the beginning of the season, and they said, this is your last season. They were picked to finish like last in their conference. Nothing, no like real success out of that team in the recent years. But they come out and they win a school record 32 games yesterday. 32 games and school record. Don't see a peep, no tweets about it, nothing um, from the LaSalle baseball account. Just a bunch of cowards, man. And no, the LaSalle baseball account is all about it. LaSalle, their official university account is silent. They have like two tweets in the last two days. It's just about congratulating people on graduating. That was it. Yeah. And so I'm like hoping to get, you remember in 2011 when Cal cut their baseball program and they made a big fuss and like needed fundraiser and stuff. And they made a trip to Omaha. Like I'm rooting for LaSalle, maybe not to go to Omaha, but maybe make some noise in a regional possibly like i don't know super regional something like that where they just have a little magic in the air and just kind of give the middle finger to the university and and i hope they do it with duct tape on their chest covering up the lasalle name on their uniforms like i hope i hope they show up to a regional and make a statement and like play not for the university but just duct tape something or you know show up in plain white or plain gray jerseys to the regional dude dude if they make a regional, like okay, this is this is just me being stupid and talking, but I would get get my own jerseys created. I know that that's just more money that needs to go into the program, but do you understand the pettiness and the amount of support you would get if you created your own your jerseys for a regional? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like they have to do something that's like they have to do something. And like if imagine if they made like Tommy Bahama Margaritaville jerseys. Yeah, like they, they have they they should do something to make a statement if they make a regional. They still have four or regular Philly season games steak, left. Philly cheese steak right across the middle of their uh, jersey. <laughs> something cool like that. But they're, I mean, they're thirty-two and seventeen this year, but fifteen and four in the Atlantic Ten. Nobody ever thought that was going to happen, and it's really going to be a race between them and VCU in that Atlantic Ten tournament. I think um, Lasalle still has four regular season games left four. at St. Joseph's, which I think they'll take care of pretty easily. But man, I'm rooting for the Explorers. I hope they save that baseball program, and you know, I hope the whole athletic department and president of that school gets fired, just because of the lack of support they have for a very successful hey, you team. Do something. Yeah. So the head coach 
of um, here at the head coach of LaSalle. This is what he tweeted. One man's trash is another man's treasure. I treasure you all. Thank you for making this the greatest ride. You have taught me so much about determination, heart, and fighting to the end. I am so proud to call to, proud of you all and will cherish this team forever. Not done yet. 32 wins. Hashtag legacy with a picture of LaSalle holding up a three and a two for, you know, their win. And it's just, it's just like, this is the last thing I wanted to say about this topic, but these guys love each other. They were told they're no more baseball. So you know what all those guys did? They got even closer. They got even tighter the group to play the last time they're going to play together for LaSalle. And this head coach was hired to do a job. And basically the school just said, you have no more job anymore. And they love this program. The school doesn't give a shit about it. So it's like, I, I think that one man trash, another man treasure the great quote. No, I mean, I, I agree. And I mean, it just sucks. It puts him in a bad position because head coach is going to be looking for a job at the end of May, end of June, whenever the season comes to an end. But I mean, I, I know there's a lot of ways to support the LaSalle baseball program. They're looking to raise, I think, like a million or $2 million, somewhere around there. I think if they make a regional and they get a nice little storyline built up, I don't think that's going to be too hard of a task. Like, I think there's going to be some big donors throwing out some money to save that baseball team. And I hope it happens. Hope they make a regional there, but they still got to finish up the regular season and conference tournament coming up. Um, dude, let's talk, dude let's hold talk. on. One more oh. question. Yo, yeah, one more question. Do you think schools sometimes do this, hey, we're cutting the baseball program just to, as a play to get some extra money for the program because they don't want to spend it? Yeah, no, I, I think we talked about that in one of the first episodes this year or maybe one of the episodes last year. Um, I remember talking about this, though, where it's 100% uh, like a way to raise awareness and raise money that they don't want to spend. Like they... Uh, they don't actually want to cut the program. They just want to freak people out and get some money. You know, it was because I think we were talking about Furman, the Furman Paladins. We were talking about yeah. like one of the first episodes this year. Furman yeah. had a really nice baseball field. They were in the SoCon with us at Mercer. Um, you know, very rich school, like nice private school in South Carolina, right in Greenville. And they cut the baseball program. And they tried to raise awareness like immediately. Like the, pro the, the school was like, yeah, hey, we'll, we'll save the program, but you have to pay this amount of money. Uh, like where are the donors at? Blah, blah, blah. And they didn't end up raising the money. So they just cut the team. And yeah, I mean, it was definitely a thing like, all right, well, like you guys can play, but raise your own money. And it, it's so stupid, man, because like, you're, you're, only, you're only hurting your, your school's like name by doing that like you're, you're just gonna piss off the donors and the alumni like you can't use that like you can't cry wolf over and over again and it, it's so dumb and i know these schools do it um like hey like we're gonna cut the program or hey we're not gonna travel we're only gonna play home games like they do that stuff all the time and it's just ridiculous it's just a money grab they're trying to get money that they don't have to spend and i will say i will say as you look at the landscape of college baseball. Everyone can sit here and piggyback and ride the coattails of the SEC and the Big 12 and maybe the ACC in terms of advancing the sport. But, and, and people might sit here and say, well, who gives a shit? You know, it's a sad story, but LaSalle is irrelevant. Actually, it's, they're really not. Because when you look at the grand scheme of college baseball, the only way it's going to get better is when schools like LaSalle 
are fully funded or when schools like Furman, for example, are fully funded where they can build because you're only as good as your weakest link. You know that quote. Yeah. So it's those schools that have to get better, that have to get fully funded, that have to build to make the, make college baseball more respected because everybody knows the SEC is good. Everybody knows, you know, what's going on in the top two, three conferences. When the bad teams get better, is when college baseball will really, really advance. In my yeah, and it's opinion. not even like from a talent aspect because, you know, now with the COVID year, everybody's back a year older and, you know, you get junior college guys to come in and transfer. Like uh, baseball recruiting isn't as high tech as like football recruiting with five stars and basketball, like giving out one to five stars. Like baseball recruiting is basically, basically about who you know, uh, if you can develop players and make them better through their career. Like, so like a talent-wise – like sure the AC, ACC and SEC and Big 12 and, and Pac-12 are better than most of the other conferences talent-wise. But like when you match up head-to-head, like we see it every year in a regional, like a four seed beats a one seed and makes a run in the tournament. Like you can you can hang with the talent you have at a you know lower level mid-major. If like, you have you can, a good starter. Yeah, you can you can beat these teams with you know a couple breaks going your way. But it's it's not talent, man. It, it's all funding, it's all about you know providing the baseball team with the resources that they need to develop and recruit and those kind of things. And that's where those lower team, like lower tier mid-major conferences are getting left behind. And I mean, it's a shame, but we could talk on that for hours. I want to go ahead and move on. Um, We had some big, big news happen in SEC play that Tennessee Arkansas series from start to finish, like from the very beginning, when Tennessee jumped out to a five, nothing lead bottom of the first game one, I was thinking, this this series is going to be like one of the best we're going to see because I, I just knew Arkansas had the fight in them. I knew if they were going to get close, they were going to put Kevin Copps in immediately. And that's exactly what they did. They chipped away at that 5 nothing lead. Arkansas called the cops on Tennessee. And Kevin Copps was by far the MVP of that series. Um, throwing, what did he throw? Like seven innings in relief, got two wins. Like the, the kid Dude. is just unbelievable. Incredible, incredible. And you know what, Ben? And I don't want to toot my own horn, but what Cops is doing kind of reminds me of my role at Mercer. And don't get me wrong. What he's doing in the SEC is absolutely incredible because, dude, it is a grind. Everybody knows it, and some people just don't want to say it. But I did the same thing where you would pitch Friday night, you know, two, three innings, and then you would throw on Sunday. And you basically on Sunday, it was your game once you came in. And it's it's difficult, but it's real people are freaking out like, oh, cop's arm's gonna be hanging, falling off, whatever. It's not. As long as you spend Saturday on a really uh, oh my gosh, strict and rigid recovery program, you take care of your body, you drink a lot of water, it's really not that bad as long as Arkansas because once I don't even I came When's the last time Kevin Cobb threw on a Tuesday? I don't know if he ever has. I mean, he might have early in the season just get some work he's getting, in. He's getting four or five days off, throws Friday and Sunday. And it, it, it's on Sunday, you're tired, man, but it's really not that bad. And I, it, it is one of the best – it was my favorite role I've ever been in as a pitcher. So what's harder? Is it – I mean, I'm not – I was never a pitcher. Is it harder to throw 100 pitches in one day – or 60 pitches one day, 40, and then uh, two days later, or one day later? 60 pitches and 40 pitches two days later is way harder because here's what happens. Ben, 
would you rather work out for two hours, take two days off, and then work for out for an hour? Or would you rather work out for an hour and then work out for another hour? Uh, I would rather, day? I mean, me personally, I'd rather just not work out, but that's just me talking. Me too, but <laughs> me too, but no. So, but the, like what the reason why I brought that up is because like I want to know, because we're we're seeing like Kumar Rocker and, and Jack Ladder, for example. Like kind of go through a little dead arm. I know Jack Leiter bounced back huge this weekend and, and had like a 13 strikeout performance on Saturday against Ole Miss. But I'm saying like you see these starters throwing 100 pitches every week, just one time a week. And like their arms have gotten tired. Like the, the guys who were pl- pitching the best in the beginning of the year are not pitching the best now. And and it looks like Kevin Copps has like maybe even gotten better throughout the season. I think he's going to be okay. And I think Dave Van Horn has a plan. I guarantee you Arkansas – Cops will probably throw just one time this weekend. You won't see I, – I bet you we barely see cops in the SEC tournament. We might see him for an inning or two here and there, but he's probably going to just be on maintenance control. I mean, Jack Leiter got a weekend off, came back, and absolutely shoved. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was the best thing for him. A lot of people were, like, skeptical on, like, whoa, is he injured? Like, why is he getting pulled from his start, like, the day of? And it was just, it was probably pre-planned. Like they didn't want to show their hand too early last week, Vanderbilt we're talking about and, and, you know, kind of have, you know, a plan that they knew about that nobody else did, but dude, let's talk about some other storylines in that, in that Arkansas, Tennessee series, like Max Ferguson walk off home run, three run bomb on Saturday. That might've been the highlight of college baseball season. Like if you think about it, you know, like in the road to Omaha, they have that little like pre intro, like, you know, showing the best clips throughout the season or It'll whatever. Be in there. And and that's going to be, like, the number one piece, I think, like, out of all the moments that have happened. That, for me, like, goosebumps when it happened. I thought there was no chance that ball was getting out, I, and it just kept flying. Ben, so which clip do you gave you more chill, that or the Evan Russell go-ahead grand slam against Vanderbilt? Oh, man, that's tough. Tennessee, I, or or what about the Jordan Beck taking off his shin guard, walk off home run? <laughs> I mean, I think it's. I still think it's the Max Ferguson thing, dude. Like the walk off bomb on Saturday, the crowd was like absolutely electric. All like forty two hundred sold out, sectioned off, checkered orange, white, orange, white throughout the sections. Like I don't know, it just like it brought me so much. Like just I don't know, like. I don't even want to say happiness because like, I'm not a Tennessee fan, just a college baseball fan, but it was just so cool to see. I wish that game would have been primetime ESPN, like everybody in the world hey, would have watched back, and, and been. Back up the truck and pay Tony Vitello any leftover money that you're going to give to the football coach, give it to him. That guy is revi- revi- oh my God, reviving Knoxville and sport in Tennessee baseball. Like that guy, what he is doing this year, I mean, I, I can't think of in recent memory someone who had made such an incredible turnaround. And I tip my cap, Tony Vitello, that program is on the rise. Yeah. And like, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Like the elephant in the room, like Tony Vitello and Dave Van Horn almost getting into a, like a physical art- altercation, maybe not that far, but uh, after the series was over, they were yelling at each other pretty good. And then they came back and started heated exchange for a few more minutes after the after the handshake line so what do you think was said give me your best like um i don't know like your your best explanation of what happened 
did you see the post-game I saw both interview? I saw both guys postseason interview or post-game okay. interviews. Here's my question. So let me just go ahead and for the, the listeners that aren't familiar. So after so both teams, you know, or Vitello and Horn, you know, had their thing. Tony Vitello coached under Dave Van Horn at Arkansas. So he is a prodigy. Think of Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin. Think of um, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Nick Saban. He is, Vitello is a prodigy. He is a product of Dave Van Horn. And he's produced a lot of great coaches. Anyway, they had some issues. They started screaming. And it was so funny because when the camera panned out for the full view, it looked like a bench clearing brawl. Both teams were in center field looking at each other. And the best part, in my opinion, was when Arkansas and Dave Van Horn started doing that clap. It is so disrespectful Disrespectful when people start doing that clap. You know what I'm talking about, Ben? Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, like, like just trying to stir something up. No, I love it. What I said, no, like they were just trying to stir something up, and like I love that. So, and it was anyway. more of like the alpha move, like, hey, like we got you in your home ballpark. Like, you guys yeah. be upset, like, you should be upset. So, going back to the post game interview, Tony Vitello basically said, I brought up some off the field issues. Um, it was probably not the right time or right place for it. And Van Horn obviously got really irritated, got really pissed, heated about what was said. And my first thought was, what in the hell did he have to bring? What off the field stuff did he have to bring up in that moment? What was on his mind after a really hard fought series? Like what in the world did he feel like he had to say that was off the field? And I, I had no yeah. So I, I, I have a couple theories. I have a couple theories. I think one and like the most obvious is possibly like recruiting. Like you don't know what these coaches say to these recruits. And like there might have been something where Vitello heard something from a recruit saying like Dave, like he maybe went on a visit to Arkansas and then went on a visit to Tennessee. And the recruit told him something like Dave Van Horn said. Uh, maybe talking bad about the program at Tennessee or something along those lines. Like that would obviously piss off a coach and like have him confront. Cause like recruits, like that's what they have to do to like maintain a good program. They have to get re- good recruits and like talking bad about another, uh, another like former coach of yours team. Like that's gonna, that's gonna piss them off. And like, I could see that. Yeah. Like that's probably my first guess there. Second guess would be maybe like in a closed like discussion or something like uh, maybe talking about like SEC, like first team or second team or something. Maybe Dave Van Horn didn't respect Tennessee and like didn't vote for any of his guys. I don't know. Like that, maybe that's a probably a dumb guess there, but I, I believe, I believe Vitalo saying like it was off the field stuff, but at the same time, I don't like, I think it was probably something like, uh, maybe Arkansas said like one of the players said something to the dugout of Tennessee or um, you know, there's so many things that are said on a baseball field that yeah, like, nobody, know. nobody will ever know. And like, it could have, it could have pissed him off, but I mean, I thought it was, it wasn't chippy, but it was definitely like, it wasn't a chippy series, but there was definitely moments where passion. yeah, like the passion showed, which I think is great for the game of college baseball Dude. makes it way more exciting. And Dude. This year, Tennessee is on the forefront of making college baseball exciting this year. I mean, dude, they like when you everyone, everyone at some point gets tired of seeing the Vanderbilts and the LSU and the Mississippi States. I mean, I don't want to say get tired, but they're just like, 
sometimes it's good to see new fresh blood, to see new fresh faces and new colors succeeding. And Tennessee is doing exactly that this year. And I think that really is helping the game show, hey, it's not, the, it's not like college football where it's the same four teams every year. It's nice to see a couple new teams be really good. And it, I really like that. No, I do too. And I think Tennessee is the real deal. I was doubting them about a month ago saying, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they're actually that good. They've had a pretty easy schedule. Like the, 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 the day they played Vanderbilt, I jumped on the, the bandwagon. I said, this team is for real. Like they have dudes all across the board. The only thing that they were missing was Kevin Copps. Like if they had Kevin Copps on their team, I think it's a sweep, no doubt for Tennessee. But um, I mean, everybody stepped up for Arkansas. I mean, hey, we saw Arkansas is the best team in the country. Even if they lose, even if they would have lost that series, I still think they were the best team in the country. They're like, like, dude, I, the I stuff that they're doing on the road this year, dude. All of their biggest wins are on the road. Like they've beaten everybody in the top ten. It feels like, and like they haven't lost an SEC series, and like they're the only team to say that. I, I believe in the last two or three years, I don't think it's ever happened. So yeah. like they, they just continue to win series. They have like just so many clutch players on the team, whether it's Christian Franklin or Bob Moore, or I, I mean, just go- Christian Franklin. I love that guy. He is a walking highlight reel. He has so much drip swag, whatever you want to call it. The dude just has so much confidence playing the game. And I love it. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping to see both of these teams in Omaha just because like I, I mean obviously Mississippi State's really good. Vanderbilt's really good. I think Ole Miss and Florida are right there. But these two teams, in my opinion, are like the most complete teams in college baseball. And like I don't even I, I mean I know it's close, but like right now, I wouldn't want to see any other mat like matchup again, like a rematchup than these two teams playing again in like a meaningful game whether it's in the Super Regionals or Omaha, whenever. But um, Matt, uh, let's see, the freshman Blade for Tennessee stepped up big yesterday on Sunday. Retired 13 straight at one point, gave Tennessee a great chance to win, uh, and like tipped my cap to the freshman stepping up big at home. Besides that, I mean, there were some really good defensive plays in the series, and I don't know, I just thought it was really good baseball. Complete games from both teams. I mean, Kevin Copps, though, MVP, won the series for Arkansas. I don't think anybody would argue with that. Um, but other big news in SEC play, Missouri, last place Missouri Tigers go into Duty Noble and kind of shock the college baseball world. They win two out of three and, like, we're pretty dang close to sweeping because if you remember on Thursday, they, yep. pro- they kind of blew the game against Mississippi State and – I don't know, man. Like, I, I understand, like, teams are going to slip up. But Dude. that's, like, that's like not a series to slip up if you're Mississippi State looking for – I mean, because if Mississippi State would have swept that series, it would have still – they would have been right there in the mix to win the SEC regular season with Arkansas. I know they needed a couple more things to work out. But, I mean, they're pretty much I – mean, I think they might even be eliminated, honestly, ben. from winning the SEC regular season. Ben, speaking of Mississippi State, and tell me, tell me right now on air, like, I want you to give the, the listener an unbiased, actual answer. I want to hear it. Do I hate Mississippi State? No. Oh, I saw that guy tur- chirping at you on Twitter, though. That was funny. So funny. And, like, I know I Twitter, like, 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm still kind of getting used to the idea of having haters because I've never really had haters. Like, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and make up some story. Hey, in high school, I had a bunch of haters. I made it to college and I, I think, you know what I mean? How people yeah. do that. So this guy said to me, why do you hate state? I've never seen someone unbiased find so much joy in a team losing. I know you weren't good enough to play SEC ball, but at least tried to hide your jealousy. I was a big fan of the pod in 19, but it's been trash ever since D quarter started talking. And I was just <laughs> like, I was just like, all right, man, that's actually really funny. Like I've never had a hater like come at me like that. And it was kind of like a couple people texted me or tweeted at me. You're like, dude, you made it. Like you officially made it. And I was just yeah. like, dude, that is so funny. You didn't officially make it until you start having haters. And I mean, I thought that was funny. Like I just told the dude, like, relax. Like he doesn't hate Mississippi State. Like just because he might have tweeted something that embarrassed your program, like doesn't mean he hates it. Like we've been big Mississippi State supporters for the last three years. Like we we love what they do. We we we've already crowned them the best fan base in college baseball, best stadium in college baseball. We talk about them nonstop, tweet about them nonstop. We had the freaking mayor of Starkville, Jake Mangum, on the podcast and worshipped him there. Like I I get it. He was probably just heated in the moment, but like that's why Twitter is so stupid sometimes because you give people like that like a voice to you know express and, and, themselves. And Love the guy trying to defend his favorite team, his favorite program. I love it. Like, you get mad or whatever. But when you start coming at me saying some some stupid BS, like, your jealousy showing because you weren't good enough, I was just like, all right, man. Like, okay. Like, this listen, is really funny now. Listen, like, like yeah, we are jealous. We wish we would have played SEC bo- baseball, both of us. Like, I'm sure that would have been a hell of a time. Like, we would have loved it. But, like – Loved it. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the opportunity came, but it wasn't the right one. And it is what it is. But I but guess what? I'm so glad I played mid-major because, dude, it to me, it meant a lot to be a big, crucial part of Mercer baseball rather than being just another guy at an SEC program. Right. And like those things happen. But um, anyways, like the reason yep. why that tweet was sent was just because like we what was the tweet? Like we put laughing face emojis. I on- put laughing. Face, yeah, I put something like laughing face or, or a laughing emoji and saying like um, Missouri is about to be Mississippi State or something. Yeah, like about to take the series from Mississippi State. And like Missouri just hit the crap out of the ball, man. Like sometimes those weekends happen where like Missouri, although they've been a bad team like pretty much all year, like you have those times where everybody like maybe five or six hitters get hot at the right time. And like no matter what you throw up there, like they're going to hit it. And like Mississippi State, like just didn't pitch as well as they have been. The bullpen didn't look great, and like they just got beat. Like okay, like move on. Like I know that Mississippi State's gonna let it hurt for a little bit, but they'll bounce back next weekend. They'll be fine. And uh, I mean, there was only a couple takeaways I had from that series. Like one, like it's just a bloodbath in the SEC. Like week after week, and we've said it for a long time now. Like you get teams like Texas A&M winning a series against. Um, uh, Ole Miss and like you get a series where Missouri beats Mississippi State like every weekend is a bloodbath like you can't take any weekend lightly and like although Missouri is not going to make it to the postseason like they're still playing for something like they're that was hey. the biggest series they played all year in front of 14,000 fans like hey. they were pumped to be there I tip my cap to Missouri they're down and out they're probably seasons over after next weekend and I tip my cap they're they playing play spoiler the that's all they they're doing. What? I said they're just playing spoiler. Like, if you they, have nothing else to play for, you might they, as well play spoiler. 
they could easily just pack their bag, show and go, go through the motions and end the season. But they showed up and played hard baseball for 27 innings on the road in Mississippi State. And I tip my cap. This is why I love college baseball. Those guys still play the game hard, even if they're not playing for anything. And you know what? I love it. I tip my cap to them, Mississippi State. You guys got a tough, gritty Missouri team on a, on a weekend where they just everything went their way. They saw the ball well. They hit well. But here's my, Ben, here's my one thing I want you to, and for myself too, to keep an eye on going forward. Lamona is saving Landon Sims. He's limiting limiting his work, I guess, to set him up for the postseason. I want to see Kevin Cobb or Landon Sims, not directly, but just their numbers, their production, and how good they are going from here on out. Is keeping Landon Sims off the field more going to benefit Mississippi State in the postseason? Or is it more of a we should have, we could have used him more. And that's something I'm going to keep an, an eye on. Yeah. And I mean, right now you look at each one of their numbers, they're very similar. I mean, I think cops has the edge and I think that yeah, both of those edge. pitchers have actually passed Kumar rocker and Jack lighter. I think that they're, they're both passed. And like, speaking of Kumar rocker and Jack lighter, this is something else I wanted to bring up as far as like sec pitcher of the year talk goes, like, let's give it up for Doug Nikhazy, man. Like what Nikhazy, Doug? Swayze, Nikhazy, whatever you want to call him. Swayze Nikhazy. Swayze Nikhazy. Dude, that guy is straight balling out this year, going under the radar, stepping up in a huge Friday night role the week after Gunnar Hoagland gets shut down for the season with a torn UCL. Like, we've seen Doug Nikhazy step up in big roles since, you know, he was pitching a Super Regional as a true freshman at Arkansas back in 2019. Like, this guy loves the big moment. He's not afraid of anything. Like, he, I remember hearing him last year, 2020 season, opening weekend, uh, battling it out against Reed Detmers, who was a first-team All-American. Like, the guy loves to step up, and, and he ended up leading Ole Miss to a win against Kumar Rocker on Friday and ultimately helped Ole Miss save their regional hosting chances uh, by winning a series at home against Vanderbilt. And, like... Ben, and I said this. I said this. If Ole Miss wins the series against Vanderbilt, there will be an Oxford regional. Agree or disagree? I mean, they still have one more series left, but, yeah. As of right now, I think they're they're hosting. I do too. I mean, yeah, obviously, as long as they don't get swept next weekend or just look absolutely horrific, I think they're they just locked in their hosting bid by beating Vanderbilt because they went through a rough stretch, but they avoided getting swept. They always got their one game in the weekend, but they kept losing series. And after all the adversity they faced with Elko and Hoagland and just everything in between. For those guys to beat Vanderbilt at home in dominating fashion, I think, okay, dominating might be a stretch, but I think that team deserved a regional. I mean, I, 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 just, I just don't see any reason why they don't. Yeah, and like two storylines for me for that Vanderbilt um, Ole Miss regional. One, Vanderbilt's got to find a, a way to win game threes in series. Like they have to find that third starter and they have to piece together like – a good bullpen because they don't have the Landon Sims or Kevin cops coming out of the bullpen to kind of save them. Like when Kumar rocker or Jack lighter struggle and they lose one of those two games, like Vanderbilt's in trouble. Like the offense put up, what was it? Nine runs yesterday. And they still lost the game on Sunday. Like that's unacceptable as far as yeah. Vanderbilt Commodore standards. I told are. you when we, 
I yeah, I told you we get to a I told you freaking week three or a guy to win the third and potentially the fourth game of a regional. And right now, I'm really skeptical on them getting out of a regional. Right. And, and and so, like, they have to win game one. They have to win game two. I mean, you got to like their chances anytime lighter rockers start. So, like, you got to like their chances in a regional. But if it comes down to a super regional and they're paired up with someone that maybe has a deeper bullpen – like all you have to do going into that super regional is say, we got to win one of these first two games and then we're going to like our chances for game three. So, you know, the whole strategy with super regionals, right? Dimitri, where it's like, maybe you don't throw your number one on Friday. Maybe you go two, one, three or uh, three, one, two, like as far as like number, like number one pitcher throwing Saturday, number three pitcher throwing Friday, you might see that in a super regional if Vanderbilt gets there with a team that can't match up Friday, Saturday, Sunday, one, two, three, starting rotation wise. Like yep. throw the, yep. throw your number three against Kumar on Friday and then throw your number one on Saturday against Jack Ladder. Or maybe you think you have a better chance to hit Kumar versus Jack Ladder. Whichever one you have a better chance of winning, that's where you throw your number one. And then you save your number two for a bullpen situation in like an elimination game, game two, or potentially save them for Sunday if you win one of the first two games. So like that's where well, Vanderbilt will get in trouble. Moving on. Yeah. Um, and the, the, wait, the other thing I want to say about that series is if you look at the SEC standings, dude, Ole Miss is only one game back of Mississippi State. Like they're 16 and 11 on the season and they haven't won very many conference series. But you're right. They avoided the sweeps in most of them, um, you know, picking up one game here and there, like every series, at least like they're still 16 and 11, one game back of Mississippi State for second place. And with all the injuries they've dealt with. That's a, that's a very successful season. I imagine there's going to be an Oxford regional this year. Um, that pretty much does it as far as like SEC storylines, at least that we're going to talk about here. Um, I want to talk about TCU slipping up because that's something that can't happen. I mean, I think TCU is still a lock um, to make, like host a regional. Like, I think it's no doubt about it. But whenever you play a series against Louisiana Monroe uh, on an off-conference weekend in the middle of May, like – you got to sweep that series or at the very least win two out of three. And not only did they not do that, they lost the first two games and put themselves in a bad position game three where like they were almost swept. They were um, down for nothing early. Yeah. And like, that was a big wake up call for TCU. The team that I, I mean, is going to end up winning the big 12, I believe, unless they slip up the last regular season series that coming up. Um, I mean, they still have a one game lead on Texas. So, uh, but yeah, that was not a good look. Uh, it might have been one of those weekends where like finals are going on and like graduations going on. Maybe the players weren't focused, but this is going to go either one of two ways. Like either their their season's going to go downhill, or this is going to be a wake up call and they rally behind it and say, you know what, can't take any weekend like lightly. Let's get back on track. And they might make a, a deep postseason run. But um, I didn't watch any of that series. Kept up with some of the highlights, but I mean TCU baseball was not tweeting out very many highlights this weekend. Just because yeah, they, there really wasn't any. About. Um, but I mean, big. That was. Uh, hey, hey, before we move on, I wanted to say one thing before I forgot it. How about our mid-major ranking making their ESPN debut? That was really cool to see. Yeah, like I was pumped, and uh, I didn't know any of that was going to happen. It actually happened when I was announcing the the Mercer game this weekend on ESPN Plus. The producer went ahead and snuck that in, and dude, like. I get it. Like, don't be too proud of your work, but 
Like I was proud to see that and like screenshot that and send it to you because like you put all that together. I didn't have any input on that last one just because I was working on my day job. But uh, I mean, how cool is that? Like to see that graphic and and like have that like on a platform with ESPN's logo on it. I mean, we're, we're showing good stuff. And, and my favorite part about it was like all of the support we got from people commenting on that tweet, like nice work, like finally, like people recognize, like that's so cool. Like those comments like really like made me happy. And uh, I don't know, like it's showing that like we're a, you know, an actual college baseball like media outlet, like people are starting to respect us and uh, like take us seriously. So that was I really love, cool. To I see. love it, man. We're just here to grow the game like Ben Vince said. Yeah, we're just here to grow the game, man. Um, other anyway, thing in the Big on. 12, other thing him. I want to talk about in the Big 12, Texas Tech hit a bajillion home runs this weekend. I think they hit 16 in their first 31 innings against Oklahoma, although they lost on Friday night on a walk-off wild pitch. Uh, and Oklahoma swung the bat a little bit too, but I, like, I can't emphasize this enough. Texas Tech in May, like the bats just somehow come alive. They play gorilla ball. They've been doing it for the last seven years in May Man, and June. Texas Tech lost Friday? Yeah, on a walk-off wild pitch. Really? I thought yeah. I thought they played I thought they locked Oklahoma. Okay. Okay. I think you're right. I think, okay, because they played Oklahoma like last week in like a midweek or something, right? Yeah, they played them a midweek in like Amarillo. Okay. Okay. Or no, yeah. you know what? Was it was it Tulsa where they had the the net all the way down and there was no backstop? That might have been the, the game that I was thinking about. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I was yeah. like, I've never seen that before. And then people are like, uh, dude, have you ever watched baseball? Because it happens all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, like just looking at the Big Twelve standings, like it's it's a two man race. Like Texas Tech's out of it. They're four games back. Um, still a great season. Dimitri slipped up and tweeted out like. Um, it's going to be funny that they're going to be a two seed in regional. Like, no, no, no. Oh, I think they're I going to be so stupid for saying that <laughs> they're going to be hosting and they're going to win the regional. Cause they play so well at home. You want me to tell you how that happened? I figured out like I thought about it. I figured out what was why I did that. So as I'm going through like stores and like videos and all that stuff, I tweet things and I save them at the draft. I have usually about eight to 10 tweets saved the draft as I'm going through building, you know, my updates and stuff in my mind was on three different teams while I was tweeting about Texas tech. And that's why, like, I, that's why that happened because I was, as soon as I looked at it later, I was like, what am I talking about? Like, what, what, what am I saying? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, I, I mean, obviously you've corrected me a hundred times this year on my tweets. Like sometimes I tweet out stupid stuff, but I thought that was funny. I was like, wait a minute, Dimitri like, instantly texted you. I was like, dude, there's no way they're going to be a two seat. Like they're going to host. Um, yeah. Now the, oh, wait, oh, oh, another big thing that happened in the Big 12 that I almost skipped over. Oklahoma State Baylor played a three-game series that pretty much like gave one of the two teams like an upper hand as far as like making a regional. Uh, Oklahoma State won two out of three there. They're sitting at 500 in the Big 12. Baylor's kind of on the outside looking in, although they have a 31 RPI. Uh, Baylor's got to make some noise the last weekend of the series and in the Big 12 tournament that to at least solidify a, a spot in the regionals. But Big 12 is going to get four, maybe five teams in. TCU, Texas separated by one game. Uh, looks like TCU is going to take that. TCU is going to take that crown. But if you look at it, the, the another surprising thing to me, West Virginia dead last place in the Big 12, even though they've won five in a row. Did not even see that. Like that must have been happening a long time ago. Never saw that coming. Um, also, West Virginia wore some of the ugliest uniforms in college baseball uh, yesterday. Yellow jerseys with purple pants. It was, Wait, what? Yeah, yellow jerseys, purple pants. Ew. 
yeah, I don't know who made that decision. I don't know whose niece or nephew made that decision, but that was uh, that was a bad look. Um, let's move on to uh, ACC stuff. Louisville gets swept by UNC. Louisville might be dead. Like they might legitimately be dead. Cancel the season. They look so bad right now. Lost seven of their last ten. Um, ACC standings pretty jumbled up. Uh, Miami takes a big series against um, Georgia Tech coming back after a Friday night loss. Um, Georgia Tech's looking with a game and a half lead over Miami. So it looks like I mean Georgia Tech's still going to win the Coastal. Uh, and it's just been the same story. Coming up. Do what? I said, what a weekend we have coming up with that tight race in the Coastal. I mean, you look at it, even like Virginia is playing great baseball, who threw a no-hitter, combined no-hitter game one, and then had two walk-off wins game two and three of the series to sweep. Like Virginia's in fifth place in the Coastal Division. And they're 16 and 17. Like, they're one of the hotter teams in college baseball. They've won a lot. Hotter than NC State. Yeah, them and NC State are playing two of the best baseball in the conference right now. And, like, they're both, like, right around 500, I want to say. And But Virginia, only three games back of Georgia Tech in the Coastal. And then you have Notre Uh, Dame running away with the Atlantic and Florida State, North Carolina State, Louisville, Clemson, all looking – to probably make a regional, I would say. But then NC State went from one and eight to like 16 and 13 in conference. 17 play. and 13. 17 and 13. That is unbelievable. Like 16 and five in their last uh, ben, 21 conference games. They were a top 10 team at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Man, I mean, I mean, dude, that's just, you know, you know how I talk about hot, cold, hot? Maybe NC State has a new formula. Just go cold until the very end and then just get super hot and just carry it all the way into the postseason. Dude, and like, again, we don't... strategy, but see if it pays off. We, we don't know because, like, again, the ACC, such a wild card with less out-of-conference games being played this year. I don't know if this these teams are really, really good or really, really bad. Like... It's going to be so fun to watch like an ACC team go into an SEC regional as a two seed or vice versa, an SEC team going into an ACC regional as a two seed. And like just seeing like how those two conferences compare, because we really haven't seen them mix up too much besides like South Carolina and, and Clemson or like Kentucky and Louisville. Like there's very, very few interactions between those two conferences, but the ACC is just, I mean, it's a tight race. There's nine teams I'm looking at, 10 teams I'm looking at. 11 teams I'm looking at that I believe will all make a regional. Maybe maybe nine of those 11, I would say. But the last week in the series is going to – or last week in series of the season is going to be a huge separating point. Yeah. Um, let me see if I had any other notes on the ACC. It doesn't really look like it there. I'm just going to give a shout-out to my homie from Coral Gable. They lose Friday night pretty big. Saturday, they blow out Georgia Tech. Sunday, they find themselves down 4 nothing after, like, the first five innings. Came back and won to take the series. And, dude, I'm, 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 people might have a different opinion on this. I still think Miami has a chance to be a one seed in the regional. Their RPI is at 21. Depending, I mean, we saw with the regional host, they did not, they barely looked in the RPI. They didn't take RPI into consideration very much. But Miami's sitting at 21 in RPI. They have Louisville coming up. If they handle business against Louisville, go into the ACC tournament and play really well, they could potentially be a one seed in a regional. Like playing at somebody else's regional. Isn't that so weird? 
I think it's going to happen this year, dude. I really do. Like, because we saw on Friday, or at least game one of everybody's series, nine of the 20 potential regional host sites lose. Like nine of the 20. Um, and I had the list. It was Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech, um, Charlotte, um, Mississippi. Oh, not Mississippi State. They ended up losing the series. But like Vander, or sorry, yeah, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, um, TCU, and I can't remember the rest. Oh, Texas Tech. Like there was nine teams that lost game one, like the day at, that the regional host sites were announced. So it was like all of them hurt their case. Pittsburgh was another team that's just fallen off. They're just lost. They're out. They're done. Yeah, they're done. And then like it might be where like Miami goes to Pittsburgh as the one seed. Or I guess that no. wouldn't have worked. Never mind. No, I take that back. That was so stupid to me. They're both ACC teams. Get me, get out of my face. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but I, I really do think there's going to be a team as a number one seed who's not hosting just because. We'll like see. the NCAA decided to pick the 20 host sites, you know, three weeks before the selection show or two weeks before the selection show. Um, let's talk about a little bit of uh, Pac-12 real fast. Ethan Long, Arizona State, unbelievable. 15 home runs in his last 15 games. And yes, he's a freshman. He's a freshman who's also pitched a little bit this year. Uh, he, Dude, he looks just like Spencer Torkelson. Like six foot, 220, right-handed hitter, like, unreal opposite field pop unreal pull side pop of course and the ball just explodes off his bat um ethan long arizona state at arizona state club is playing really good baseball right now and you know they're going to be another team in the pac-12 that's going to make some noise in the regional i think well see i think i think they're 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 playing really well they you know i just don't know if they have okay so here's the here's the deal when you look at a team over a regular season, sometimes teams just don't have the depth or the consistency to play great baseball all the way through the season. But in the postseason, it doesn't matter anymore. You get hot first weekend, you play really well, all of a sudden you're in a super regional. Like, because in the regular season, how many times have we seen teams play a really good weekend and then play really bad the next weekend? All the time. It's happened so much and this year. That might hurt them in terms of winning a conference championship or whatever. But when it comes to the postseason, all you got to do is have a really good weekend and you find yourself in a super. You play pretty well. You win the super, you're in Omaha. Like, that's why, like, Arizona State is a great example. They just didn't have the consistency to stay on top of the Pac-12 standings all year. But, hey, you never know. They might just heat up and win a regional and have a really good weekend. Uh, dude, I, I just you saying that just gets me so excited for postseason ball. Uh, like, there is like no better feeling than Selection Monday after conference tournament weekend, and then like just the the four days leading up to that Friday, the first pitch of the first regional, and then you like blink, and then there's eight games going on or nine games going on at once with another seven or eight left to play. Like it, it dude having like ESPN plus and just flipping back and forth, just rooting for upsets, rooting for chaos, uh, rooting for guys we've had on the podcast or guys that follow us on Twitter that, um, you know, like those kind of things. Like I still remember the 2019 season, the postseason was like the most enjoyable time of like my life, just because like we were covering it so hard. We did like the, the, the tournament write up for every team posted that uh, like the PDF booklet that we, we made. Uh, Are we doing that again? May, if we have time, I would love to do it. Um, but I know we're kind of, I don't know, we have uh, some time constraint stuff with our both of our jobs. Um, but I would love to do it again because we just, we prepared so well for that tournament. And there was just, 
games going on nonstop. So much to tweet about, so much to talk about. Felt like the whole country was watching college baseball at that time. And we got robbed of it last year. Sure. Like I was looking forward to it. I was a little depressed during the time uh, that, you know, college baseball got canceled. But like we're almost there, man. Like conference tournament weekend, there's going to be a couple teams that steal at large bids by uh, winning the conference tournaments, uh, stealing at large bids away from teams uh, by winning the conference tournament. And like, I don't know, like you're going to have teams that are going to create storylines, like potentially like LaSalle or, or somebody like that, who's going to be a team that is going to be rooted across wait. America for. I cannot wait for postseason baseball, man. Fire me up, inject it in my vein. Hey, Ben. What else do we got on the list? Uh, last thing, and then because I know we need to wrap it up pretty soon, Louisiana Tech, Charlotte, and uh, Southern Miss all showed signs of weakness this weekend. Charlotte clinched the East Division um, with two, winning two. I think they split two and two against um, Rice. They all, they all split. Charlotte split. Southern Miss split. Um, and uh, Louisiana Tech split. I think Charlotte and Louisiana Tech are still sitting in the picture for top 16 teams. I think Southern Miss kind of hurt their chances, even though they lost to a really good FAU team. Uh, but Conference USA looks like they're going to get four, possibly five teams in the in the regionals, uh, depending on if FAU can stay hot. But, I mean, Old Dominion's in. I think Southern Miss will be a two-seed at either Ole Miss or Southern – or sorry, Ole Miss or Mississippi State. I think that just makes a lot of sense there. And um, But I think Louisiana Tech's still in a decent spot to host. Uh, and I, you know, I think Louisiana Tech actually won three out of four, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yes, they did against Texas okay. and Antonio. They did. Yeah. So I think they're comfortably in the regional picture. I think Charlotte is too. Uh, but besides that, man, I mean, it was a fun weekend. There was a lot of tweets going on. I think we killed it again on social media. We got retweeted by Barstool Sports main account for that that strike three call. <laughs> <laughs> against Vanderbilt on yesterday. It was Sunday um, in the second inning where the, the strike three call was just one of the worst I've ever seen to get Vanderbilt out of an opportunity to score a run early. Hey, it was so bad that it was funny. Uh, yeah. And like, it was so funny that like Barstool Sports, like the king of like sports satire, like their main account retweeted that video and like it stirred up a lot of buzz. So that was cool to see. Other than hey, that, dude, like, hey, you cannot, you cannot, we cannot end the podcast without. A quick update on the weekend pick them. I was trying to avoid this, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you were. I know you were. I went five and one this weekend, dude. I'm 38 and 26 on the year. Um, go ahead and give everybody your your um results. I don't even I went two and four. And I, I haven't even looked at my record on the year. It's you're 32 and 32. I have this right here. <laughs> Ready to go. I have a six-game lead, Ben. I am hosting a regional. You are in the bubble. Are you going to make the postseason? I'm just going to beat you in the bracket challenge that we're going to do. How about that? All right. Another question. Are we going to make? Are we going to keep making picks through the postseason? What do you think? We'll have to. We'll have to come up with a structure for that. I'm not sure. I mean, we'll we'll do something as far as like maybe bracket picks or regional picks something like that like we'll do something where we can continue the week i'm actually working i'm actually i wasn't going to tell you because i was going to try to make it a surprise but i'm already in the middle of working on an interactive bracket for a, a bracket challenge Ooh, where like the fans can come in and play yes sir that's gonna be ooh. 
The people are going to love that. I'll tell you that right now. People are going to love that. D1 baseball always does a really good one every year that I participate in and get smoked, but uh, dude, that's going to be fun. You just got me a little excited. I hope, I hope I can keep my brain, my put my brain to paper and finish it and make it work, but I'm, I'm still working on, I'm still building it. So I will keep you updated. Keep me updated. But besides that, we'll be back Thursday for a new episode. Hoping, hoping to get a pretty good guest. And, uh, I got a birthday coming up, Dimitri, on Friday. So, oh shit! Oh yeah, shit. turning 20. big, twenty six. And I already put a put a tweet out there saying that I want two guests, one of two guests, to come on the podcast for my birthday. It's the only birthday present I want. Lance Berkman, my childhood wait, 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 wait. hero, wait, and Preston Tucker. Oh my god, I was gonna say I was gonna guess Preston Tucker. Yeah. So if anybody has any connections to Lance Berkman or Preston Tucker, please let me know. Like that would be the best birthday present I've ever gotten. That's my that's my one birthday present. I don't care about anything else. Uh, I said I, I think I put a tweet out there saying I would give my big toe to the person, like chop it off, give it to the person that set that up. And Chris Burke, former guest of the podcast, Chris Burke actually quote tweeted it, and he does have a pull to Lance Berkman, like he can possibly get it. So I'm getting a little little too excited. But anyways, if it doesn't happen, it's whatever. I mean, I'll have a good birthday. I'm too old to celebrate birthdays now, so. Uh, We'll be recording a little birthday episode podcast coming up later this week. But besides that, we got to get going, Dimitri. You got practice to go to. I got work to go to. And uh, we'll be back. And it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I salute you. Yes, sir. Have a good one, buddy. (laughs) 